Today's businesses are on a vigilant watch for threats in an ongoing cyber war. It's time to get real-world solutions to protect and secure your valuable business information anytime, anywhere. Welcome to Cybersecurity America with Josh Nicholson. You're about to gain special access into a world of restricted information and a backstage pass to the inner sanctum of cybersecurity operations. Here's your host, Joshua Nicholson. Welcome to Cybersecurity America. This is your host, Joshua Nicholson. Today's episode is going to follow up on last episode where we went through a CISO journey. We went through Jeff Joshua Stabner's journey from being a consultant right out of college into his trip through Big Four Consulting and eventually to the Chief Information Security Officer role. In today's focus, we're going to focus on Women's History Month and diversity within cybersecurity. Why is it important to have a diverse workforce in this field? What can underserved aspects of our society, how can they be better served into this field? And just get to their perspective on what it takes to drive us forward. The two guests I have today to help us talk about this is two people that have a remarkable career so far. Anna Loschkavera, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is a cybersecurity executive with over years of experience. She is a leader in Booz Allen's incident response business. She has experience in cyber defense, specializing in converged security solutions, combining advanced vulnerability and threat management, threat intelligence, attack surface reduction, and security testing. So prior to joining Booz Allen, Anna worked for the Navy Federal Credit Union, where she was responsible for their cybersecurity program, including security engineering, encryption management, vulnerability management, and a number of other areas. Prior to her time at NFCU, Anna led global security engineering operations for Marriott International, which she helped build and manage an enterprise-wide security program that protected the organization. She has also held numerous security consultant roles within Accenture and Sun Microsystems. Our second guest today is Alro Kalandis, graduated from Virginia Polytech Institute and State University of Virginia Tech with a Bachelor's of Science in Electrical Engineering. She served as the chair of the Council for the Advancement of Minority Engineering Organizations, CAMEO, which was an umbrella organization for the Minority Engineering organization at Virginia Tech. Some of the organizations included National Society of Engineers, NSBE, the Society of Women Engineers, SWE, and the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, SFPE. She's worked at Booz Allen Hamilton for 15 years and currently works at Deep Seas, where she's a service delivery manager. During the course of her career at Booz Allen, she was heavily involved and was the chair of the Society of Women Forum at BH, and has 10 years of cybersecurity experience with five years of program management experience. Well, Lemon, I can't be more happy to have such accomplished people on the team and on the podcast today. So welcome to the show, both Anna and Alru. Thank you, Josh. Great to be here. Yep. Thank you. Anna, that was a lot on your background. Is there anything I missed? Anything you want to cover? First of all, great job giving an overview of my background and thank you so much for having me again. As far as my background, I think today hopefully we'll touch on it. But one of the interesting components about me is I moved here in 90s. And before I came over to the United States, I had no idea what a computer was. I had very remote. And I definitely did not know what the internet was. If I date myself, I came over here when we still wrote letters and had to do the international call plan on the phone lines in order for you to call overseas. So there was definitely not voice over IP type of deal. And the reason I bring it up is I actually majored in English. And the only reason 
that I'm speaking to you today is because of a power of female sponsorship and believe in me because my host mom at that time was one of a very few female network engineers. She carried a gigantic box, which is, I guess, a silograph. And it was a huge suitcase that she took with her every day to job and came back. And one day she just told me that instead of me continuing here with the English as the primary career, because there are plenty of native speakers that can teach English, that I need to consider switching. And I was very scared and I did not necessarily believe in myself. I told her no all kinds of different ways. And she basically said, here's a computer. I said, I will probably break it. She said, don't worry about it. Just take it. It's yours. Just play with it. Figure out how you can get yourself familiar. Here's a subscription to AOL. She gave me a disc. (laughs) And the rest is history because she literally pushed me into learning the computers, into learning the network, into learning internet. And she sponsored me for the college because she truly believed that the internet was going to be the future. I think that kind of sets up hopefully the theme for today that women needs to lift up the women. And she definitely lifted me up. And I personally think that was a very interesting pivot. And honestly, a huge pivot in my career and just in my life in general, because look where I'm at now. So yeah, that's where I wanted to start, Josh. That's great. Thank you, Anna. And all big, extensive background. You have an electrical engineering degree. I always say a lot of respect for people. I know how hard it is to get through those programs to get that degree. So really congratulate that. But is there any aspect of your bio that I missed? Josh, I would say that after going through the cycle of getting my engineering degree at Virginia Tech, I didn't really understand or know anything really in depth about the cybersecurity world because at that time there was just more so the focus of engineering and as i continued to get closer to graduation and it was actually through cameo that organization i was part of there was a career fair that's hosted every year at that time i was able introduced to booz allen hamilton for example and where that's where i started to learn okay there's consulting and then there's additional opportunities within consulting and And really understanding, too, where even though you get your degree, those skill set that you really, I guess you could say more so tend to evolve over time and you tend to learn, you can apply that in any facet. And so getting that better understanding of the base and not like necessarily going directly into the electrical engineering field, but starting out in the cybersecurity field as a consultant opened my world to a great amount of things and a great amount of opportunities in which definitely look forward to going more into that. Great. The topic of this show, right, is to is to understand what were some of the areas of challenges or struggles that you dealt with? What were some areas that you feel that you can definitely improve in? What do you think young people who are thinking about the cybersecurity field, which is a part that they get wrong most of the time, I noticed from my perspective, there's people think you have to be a genius in math and you have to know advanced calculus to do cybersecurity and just they shy away with it. And there's so many people with just brilliant minds that can be in the field. And it's like, how do you demystify the cybersecurity field and how do you allow this to open more broadly for for women in cyber, for minorities, for just a diversified work group? I guess the first question to you, Anna, what's your experience? What are your thoughts on how do we address diversity within cybersecurity? Yeah, and I actually was going to ask Alru too, as far as whether she had the same experience just broader in her career path, I mean, 
in her education and even in the Virginia Tech, if she saw a lot of representation, both female as well as the different races in her program. So that was going to be my kind of follow-up question. But to answer your question directly, I think one of the challenges is that mystery around the cybersecurity. And for me personally, it was overcoming that, I guess, dogma that you need to be a coder, that you need to know how to program, that you need to have a super, like you said, advanced calculus skills. I consider myself pretty decent in all of those. But I don't necessarily think that I'm genius in all of those. So I can definitely code. I can definitely do math and calculus. But there are so many different aspects of the cyber that we need to present. And we need to really start matching the candidates and the diversity that is out there from the candidacy pool with the diversity of the cybersecurity careers. I think when we talk about cybersecurity, we approach it, in my opinion, a little bit binary, right? We talk about candidate and we talk about the job and that's it. And we're trying to mash them together. And I think when we think about the diversifying, there is a diverse pool of the candidates and then there is a diverse pool of the careers. And it's not one-to-one ratio. It's not necessarily a programmer to a programmer because maybe there is someone who just needs that particular career and it's the soft skills that are shying away. So how do we actually create a matrix And how do we create a match made in heaven between the diversity? And so this is where I would say, I guess, diversity plus diversity equals inclusion, but it has to be coming from both angles. And we need to have an activation from both the hiring managers, as well as the candidates themselves speaking up and saying, this is my strength, this is my skill, and I'm interested in X, Y, and Z. Because a lot of times I also think that people shy away from speaking their strengths because they just want to be matched up. It's not always the best match. So we need to be honest with both ourselves and the positions we're applying for as far as what we're good at and how can we really succeed in that particular job. Alvary, what is your experience? Like, what do you think? So I would definitely agree, Anna, and I'll also touch upon the question that you had as well. You asked uh, one of the things as far as being in the field that I was in and going to school, I was very used to being the minority. One, being a woman and then being a person of color and where I could be the one and only female in my entire class. Shifting that into the work world and moving there, it was always evolving for me, always something where I continue to keep that focus, really being able to see, okay, like how can we continue to diversify things because again being in such a small facet and being in that small group I was very used to that so always trying to see the various ways that we can expand that and that's where ways that I thought about doing that or trying to get involved would be the various organizations and I think that's that part where everything comes together, where you have your organizations where you can pull in and then also that goes and reaches back out to various people as well to be able to tie and connect one another. Yeah. And I think the other thing, Josh, to having a discussion about all the challenges and what I see some of the misconceptions of the field is there is also a big component of not only in cybersecurity, I think just in general, right? How can you balance the work life and family life with the demands of the job? And let's not cover, I guess, the point of the fact that cybersecurity candidates are demanding. 
especially certain areas of cybersecurity can be very demanding. So is IT. I do not want to necessarily single out just cybersecurity. So is IT and so is other professions. If you think about nursing, if you think about doctors, all of those professions are high demands on people. Oh, let's look at the COVID times where the doctors and the nurses were sleeping in the hospitals and they were not going home. If you think about doctor and the nurse population, most of that is predominantly females. And while there is no concerns about balancing the work life on that side, somehow cybersecurity is still viewed as, hey, if I'm in cybersecurity, I will not have the work-life balance. And I think <clears throat> the reality is that with every profession, with, their, with every career, you have an opportunity to find the work-life balance and cybersecurity is no different. And so the more we promote it, the more we actually embrace the ability to be flexible and do the accommodations and really allow females to have children, to have an extended maternity leave, to come back and still pick up where they left off when ability to <clears throat> train up and just balance the time, I think we just need to continue stressing that it's no different than any other career. It's no different than any other field. You can find that right balance. You can find that success. And I think that will open up the eyes of hopefully a lot more younger girls that are considering cybersecurity as their profession. Yeah, those are all really good points. And I think, is it, do you think mostly that minorities and females shy away from cybersecurity mostly because of the, uh, just the misconceptions about it? Or is it for, there's just a lack of being able to educate in this area what these fields have to attain? What are, I guess, if, if me as the hiring manager, we do see that there has a tendency to really less females in the cybersecurity field. Is it just a natural attraction? Like they just, some of them just, for a majority may not be attracted to it, or is it really that misconception? Because if it's a misconception, it's easier to try and focus with education and with outreach than it is to, to, to if it's another factor. What are your kind of thoughts that where would someone like myself do to help in that area, you know? I think one thing is definitely would be focusing on the misconception, truly understanding the facets and what cybersecurity involves. It's something that's ever growing and always expanding and always moving. With that, some people may identify or some women may identify the role as just one lane. You're just working behind a computer, focusing on like policy, things of that sort. But it, it's really a wide variety of things that where you can focus and work towards, whether it's, for instance, working in the war room, for for example. I, pro I provide this example in later kind of and in my career experiencing this, it opened my eyes up to all the various elements that it takes to, from a beginning to the end of a process, if something or a cyber attack were to happen, what are all the different components? What are all the different teams? What are all the different roles that one can play in order to get that client's mission accomplished? So I think really understanding all the various components that involve cybersecurity, one, it will really help to expand one's... Yeah, I think... I yeah. <clears throat> a lot of people coming up and they always ask for like crazy stuff. I want to do CSI where I'm doing forensics and they see the shows where you punch up mm -hmm. computers and you hack into the CIA database and just unrealistic for us in the field that is just complete Hollywood. But at the same time, they're attracted to that aspect of it. There's some others that are just as broad and need that kind of investigative inquisitive mind. So I did an interview on what two podcast episodes before with Bruce Schneier and it was about the hacker mindset. And he was talking about this new book he had put, The Hacker Mindset. And it was about tax evasion. So you have accountants, for instance, look for loopholes in the tax system. 
And they're always thinking about how can I use this loophole to do this and save for And that's hacking a system. And that pretty much applies to anything from a computer system to abuse of a web server to a, how do you violate the rules and the parameters? And it's almost a mentality that if you can just get people into that right mentality, the technical skills just will fall into place afterward. It's how do you think like a bad guy? How do you think, all right, if it's only three parameters, what if I put a zero there instead of a one? It's starting to think in that mindset that I think helps propel people. And I sometimes ask, how do you get people in that? What kind of training do you think just that that helps in that area? You can do technical training, you can do all that, but how do you get somebody to think an attacker and how to walk through systems and stuff like that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think part of it is also, by the way, just the comfort level. And I think, and I shared some of the, in the women in cybersecurity, it's basically a group. It's the vices, I guess I'm probably mispronouncing it, by the way, of the acronym. And according to them, 24% of the jobs right now are actually filled by female. But what's interesting about their research is that kind of middle school interest of the girls in the cybersecurity career is very little. And I think it's because they're not comfortable. And I think it's because they're not feeling like they have that mentality that you say, right? They're trying to find themselves, they're trying to find out like, what is the career goal that I have? And the counselors, believe it or not, at least judging by my own experience with middle schoolers and high schoolers, the counselors are primarily focusing on, do you want to be a veterinarian? Sure, here is a program for veterinarian. They're not necessarily giving the art of the possible unless the middle schoolers and the high schools express the interest themselves. So what happens, I think, at that point is we walking them towards water, but first they need to tell us that they're thirsty. But what I'm saying is how can we actually bring the water to them and show them there is the different types of maybe there is a bottled water and there is a sparkling water and there is an artisan water and maybe they have different interests and in different waters. But essentially, how do we actually come to them and promote the career? Because that's where the comfort is built. That's where a lot of girls can start thinking about, hey, maybe it's not as scary. Maybe if you give me one example, then I demystify that whole image of the movies, right, on the screen. And I actually see it more as... I can think of it too. Put in front of them a couple of logical problem solving. And if, you know, someone is great at problem solving, say, hey, you might be considering the career in either cyber or the other professions that require logical thinking. So it, I think it needs to start earlier. I think we also, personally, I'm having a hard time explaining what I do to a younger generation, even not to the middle schooler, but even younger kids. So my seven-year-old and eight-year-old, now she's eight-year-old, she's asking all the time, what do I do? And so how do you explain to them, what do you do except for saying, hey, I'm a cop of the internet or I'm chasing bad people? But that notion does not really provide a fair representation of what we do. But I think the interest in the development needs to start younger. And I think that's where we need to start thinking about, not even about embedding the cyber hygiene into our younger generation, but even explaining our career and the show and tell where they can relate. Because it's a lot easier to relate to the doctor. It's a lot easier to relate to someone, you know, that is a baker or a chef. It's a lot harder to relate to someone who is... I'm a cybersecurity professional. And I think what helps too is analogies. And I think over the years, we've all had to use analogies for just about everything. And I think for the Security Operations Center, when I explain that to people, I 
or people that are not in the field, it's more of this is the 911 and everybody calls the 911. <laughs> and when there is an actual murder or a crime, there's a detective that goes out there. And yeah. They do the IR, that investigation, and then there's a collection team and so forth. But when there is a DE, DEA task force that wants to set up some cameras because they believe <laughs> that is what? That is hunting. That is having a theory <laughs> and having a stakeout. So this is when we try to relate this to customers and use the analogy. Go, you know, hey, that makes sense. All right, I understand that. And I think if we got better at doing that, because a lot of cybersecurity principles are just regular human principles in many cases. Nature, abuse of system, abuse of privilege. You know, the same way someone would break into a body shop and they had the keys to the body shop. They abused mm -hmm. the privilege to get in there. So a lot of it really transfers over. And I think we have we do a horrible job not showing people or telling people that or and how that relates and the two come over. I think there's a lot of things like when I came up, there, there was no cybersecurity degree. There was no training. I was IT. And and, and even mm -hmm. if you became the firewall admin and you did the permission sets and you did the mail gateway or reset permissions, that was it. That was pretty much it. And then as I saw that career unfold, it was like 2001. I said, that's it. I'm jumping into this full time. I'm going cyber all the way. And even at that point, working for a $12 billion bank, they didn't even see the need for security. It's like, who would hack us? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we're a $12 billion bank. I think somebody would want to take a shot at us. <laughs> have that mentality back then that just to see how that's gone broad spectrum. And the skill set I noticed, like what is successful at when I was at Booz Allen, what was successful of traits that really had nothing to do with how good they were, at, people were good at cybersecurity skills. They were really good at managing people, understanding processes, understanding the art of the possible, connecting the two together, up on things, and just being able to be an expert on being an expert. Let's say there's a security project that comes up on Azure to do X. We, I don't know how to do that, but I know how to go research that and I can go find out and I know who to find the right people. I know that there is a way to figure out this an analytical way to process them. And I think those people are really successful in cybersecurity, regardless of their background. I've seen people and women with music degrees and be highly successful in cybersecurity. It might be in a GRC function that you need to do with audit, some assessment, some attestation. You're doing an audit. Your job is to ensure that the things that, that the security team says they're doing, they're actually doing. There's a huge benefit in that as well. It needs a, an analytical mind in that case. You still need creativity. So there's all these traits and attributes, I think, that would y'all see as common. It doesn't matter what your gender is. Cybersecurity seems to have, I don't know, three or four common traits across people who are in this field. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yes, I definitely agree that there is a common traits across the field. Problem solving, definitely one. Really thinking out of the box puts me in a mind and kind of tying things to even earlier development and ensuring that we're reaching out to kids. When I was growing up, mobile devices, things of that sort, they weren't, I mean, we had them, but it wasn't as frequent or hands-on or being able to get them at such an earlier age now. So being able to, for example, think about, okay, how can someone hack into this mobile device or what are my policies? What am I looking at here to ensure that I have my passcode, I have my keyword, I have to change this. So also just taking those considerations as well, just on your everyday devices, we all have that. But then when you start to think about not only the problem solving aspect, but just securing it in general, we all put our passcodes in generally for the most part, ensuring too that you're really thinking outside of the box and what someone can do for me. 
or to me to be able to get my information with the various leaks and things of that sort, which have definitely been happening here and there in the news. And I think that too helps to tie everyone in to, okay, I need to start paying a little bit more attention to what I can put into place. So I feel a lot of the events that have happened, especially post-COVID, have helped to embody and embrace this field in general and kind of thinking outside of the box because now people are spending their time elsewhere. And I think what's interesting mm-hmm. to both you ladies from your background, your experience, like Aru, you started off as an intern out of college, right, for Booz Allen. And the show go from that to where you're doing some of the biggest, uh, as we spun out to Deep Seas, you're handling some of the biggest clients in the world right now. So you went through that whole starting from nothing in cybersecurity to the entire development to where you're a senior member of the service delivery team. What was your kind of path when you were coming up? What training did you take advantage of? Mentorships, that kind of stuff. Somebody who's going to be looking at, hey, I want to do the same thing that Alru did. I'm curious of her path that she took. What would you say that path looked like? I'm coming in, I was always open to continuously learning because not saying no, in a sense, whether I was working on policy development, I did that for a while, did certification and accreditation, did that for a while, did program management for a while. So started to try to build my skill set up where I was getting on the job training, but then also expanding my network as well with these various fields, trying to pair myself not only with a mentor, but a sponsor somewhere, someone that would be able to speak up for me to be able to get these various opportunities to help really build that skill set and think of things a little bit more, I don't want to say well-rounded, but think of things more of an out-of-the-box thing because I've had a little bit of everything. I call myself, honestly, like a little melting pot because <laughs> it, it's something, if there's an opportunity, then it's like, why not? Why not take that opportunity to be able to grow and continue to embrace and in, invest in yourself and with the sponsorships they're investing in you and one component in addition to your mentors as well so just really building up my board to be able to be my advocates to be able to be help me also to continuously challenge me to really help me to get me to where I am now that's good and I think you took advantage of a lot of the training that might be there that was provided I think also working with a diverse team on different projects, doing different things. That's what I liked about the consulting world. And <laughs> Alan was really great because you're on one project one day doing incident response. The next day you might be doing a tax surface reduction or you may be doing a security assessment. Just the dynamic nature I thought was phenomenal. Then also having the consulting training paired with, we had 300 plus customers. Right. And it was you got to see cybersecurity and many different verticals being done many different ways. And I think that matures you really quick and fast versus if you work for one company and you're just on site. One advantage of that, if you work for like the CISO from General Atlantic, my good friend Josh Stabner on the last show, he was talking about when he was a consultant for 10 years at EMY that it was great. He got to start these programs off. He got to initiate them, but he never got to really see them come to fruition because you roll off three months, six months later, you don't know the impact of that a year later or what really happened. So he wanted to stay with a client, with one company and go through it. And so I can understand that mentality, but at the same time, what is y'all's experience with consulting? Is it me or is that working with different clients, different things? Is that really make it exciting and really something that more people should look at in the consulting world to build a career? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, from my side, I think absolutely. Because when I started the hands-on admin installing stuff, and then 
what I actually experienced similar is even in the managed services field, Josh, because when I went from the data center to the managed services, it allowed me to see a variety of clients in the managed services capacity. And that way, to your point, I've matured a lot faster because the problems, the issues that being on call component became very important. And you were exposed to so many different opportunities to problem solve. And the problem today is not the problem that was there yesterday. So you had to think, you had to learn, you had to be constantly curious. And I think that helped me throughout the journey and throughout the career, because as I got to be owning the programs and building the programs and developing the programs, I used all the diversity that I saw in the past experience and I built, I brought it to the program development. And now seeing consulting side at a different angle, now that consulting is a little bit different, now that I'm in the consulting side more than the managed services, I do agree that being on this side allows us a fast pace. It allows us to move with the market. It allows us to see not only the attacker profiles, but actually the solutions. We see the innovation that is coming and the new cutting edge technology is being implemented. And we are, as the consultants at the forefront of implementing and creating those new solutions and those new controls and new set of remediations for our clients. So everything that you have said, both you and Alru, about the key components or key traits of cybersecurity professional, curiosity, constant learning, and always wanting to see something exciting and innovative, that's where consulting, I think, shines. And it does provide the opportunity to experience all of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think having more people understand that's an option. I think a lot of people think you go into consulting, you have to be this expert in the first place to go in there. So there's different levels and just the maturity. I thought working at EMY myself was like a finishing school. It was tremendous, the training that they put you through and the time that they invest in you. And it's a really polishing experience. I had the same experience at Booz Island. So I think a lot of times having the right people aligned to the right persons like, for instance, a lot of people believe that your boss is your mentor. And I don't believe that has to be the case at all. Your boss is your boss. A mentor is your mentor. And they don't have to be the same thing. But a lot of people are looking for mentorship from their direct supervisor and so forth. So what is one advice y'all would have that if there's not a mentor, is that really a key to progression in your career? Anna, you're at the top in the executive ranks there. So it obviously took a while and a lot of effort to get there. So is what are your thoughts on what does it take to bridge that gap? Yes, I think there's definitely a difference between the mentorship and sponsorship, as Elru alluded to. So every time I had um, an opportunity to step in into the new role and learn, it was because someone took a chance on me. And it was a chance of sponsorship, as now we talk about it, but I called it at that point, someone giving me a shot and giving me the opportunity. I would say that it was not necessarily always the boss. So you're absolutely right. And what I would give as an advice is don't look at just your immediate supervision or supervisory line as the opportunity to come up with the new, or I guess as a way to find the new opportunity. Because sometimes those come at you without you even trying. Sometimes somebody behind closed door in the building next to you overheard or saw something you did and just developed a great respect for your work and therefore wanted to promote you or wanted to give you a shot. I would say that networking 
and showcasing yourself, highlighting the strengths, highlighting also your interests. A lot of times we also, especially as the young professionals, we try to highlight like, hey, I want to, or this is what I'm good at. And what we forget to mention is I'm good at that, but I might be interested in something completely different. Because it's only when you express your interest in what you also want to do, or if you express the interest in taking a chance on something different, that's when the people can step in and really help you develop. If you don't say something, no one is going to do anything for you and no one is going to show you the way. So I think young kids or even anybody in this profession need to take an opportunity and actually say, what do you want to do? My favorite question of asking anybody that I start to get to know on the teams is, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I ask that myself, what do I want to do when I grow up? Because I think next year, I might be a completely different person from today. And so every year, I sit down and think about myself, what do I want to do when I grow up? What is the next learning opportunity? What is the next chance I want to take on myself? So that would be my advice is for everybody to ask themselves, what do you guys want to do when you grow up? And go find someone who can actually, without even having any motive of saying, hey, I want a job there, but go find someone who can help you figure out how to get there, to show you the training material, like you said, with Alru, to show you the opportunities with the clients, to show you the opportunities with the job, or just to talk and get some ideas. Because sometimes the best ideas are just a talk and just a discussion. I think what also helps where... It depends on people's personality. But I think if you ask a lot of times, hey, is there any strategic projects I can get onto to assist with? Mm -hmm. I don't have too many direct reports that ask that because there's so much happening in the first place. Nobody's asking, hey, I have some time. Is there an extra project or initiative I can get on? But I think looking for the opportunity to volunteer on things that are strategic and put your time in, get your name in the hat of someone who is willing to take the ball run and has a bias towards action instead of a bias towards inaction and a bias towards action. And I think some people feel if they needed me, they would just ask. No, we don't always understand who may be aligned to that. There is a, a real admiration you have for people that say, hey, I have some capacity here. I know there's some projects going on. Do you need me to align for anything? Actually, yeah. Can you get on and do X, Y, and Z here? And do, Yeah, that's before you know it, you're included in the projects. All of a sudden, you're sitting at the table. You wonder why you got added to a leadership meeting? Because you proved your absolute value. Did you prove your value by asking how much you're worth and going look at Glassdoor and arguing about the standard pay that's out there? No, you were able to get pay advances because you just proved your absolute worth and your ability to continue to drive for the mission. What else do you need me to do? I think there's these individuals that try to hide that they just figure I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to I'll volunteer for anything. Yeah. Give me, I'm there. They never move up the ladder. They never succeed. And so it's more of a personality thing, I think. And being one to speak truth to management. I love the fact that I know if I said something wrong or incorrect, Alru would correct me. She would correct <laughs> me. But she has a sense not to do it right in front of everybody on the call, <laughs> depending on the situation. Yeah. <laughs> but being able to speak that, to be able to collaborate like that, to be a part of those teams, I just, I see that's a successful trait. It is. But I do want to highlight, though, that part of the population that sits there and doesn't speak, since we're talking about the diversity, right? And we're talking about how do we kind of promote and how do we help the diverse groups to really flourish in the cybersecurity career. I think we cannot avoid the, <coughs> sorry, the neurodiversity component because some of the population that you mentioned might actually 
have, to your point, it's absolutely personality. And so I think that's where the active management style and the active kind of participation in our employees' life and buying of the strengths and weaknesses becomes very important. I do not disagree with what you said as far as it's our own destiny to take it in our hands, but there is a absolutely brilliant people that just will never speak up, no matter how much you coach them, because, you know, of the different reasons and the neurodiversity is real. And so we need to be able to recognize it and as managers also help those populations or those groups of cyber professionals to find out their next move, to find out, and it might not be a career in the leading people, it might be a career in something else, but how do we set them up on, for the success? Because I've, I've had many situations where I've had people in the, in the different jobs and it might not be the right job. And so having a discussion and seeing the people really, truly express, hey, you know what, you're right, I might be interested in doing something else and then moving on and succeeding there is absolutely I think it's hugely rewarding to me in that space so again not trying to I was definitely not disagreeing with your comment because I agree with it but sometimes we forget about the fact that there is that group that we also need to pull up a little bit. I'm also a firm believer, two tracks for people that want to be promoted, but they want to stay on the technical track. They don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. They want to be a director Mm -hmm. or be an executive. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We need those type of people. It's just like the military where you have the enlisted ranks and you have the officer ranks. And there's a different reason for both of them. And so you ask those people that want to stay in the technical field, there's more of a focus on abilities and skill sets Versus at the executive level, it's more about communication and your ability to work across diverse teams to come up with a common set of goals, which is not very technical. Now, granted, it was great if you have technical skills because it helps with the debate and it helps your ability to solve mm-hmm. the and so forth. So absolutely necessary. But at the same time, it is being able to manage people and risks and make decisions and lead with is a much different skill set. You have to be on phone calls and talk about people and their careers. And you have to talk about where their future is, what training, how to mentor. There's a lot more focus on the individual when you have several different people, including when I was at CoFence, I had 76 people in five different countries. So I had a whole cultural and time zone aspect to it. Careers mean something different in some, one of my guys from Singapore than it does from the London team does than the Saudi or the Dubai team. And so what does it mean to them and so forth? I thought that was really interesting when you had those many different cultures and you're trying to operate across the board. And actually, that's a great point because one of the questions that I have for you guys is what is the success in the cybersecurity profession to both of you, right? I'm just curious to see because I think everybody has a different definition of success. So how would you define, for example, a success in cybersecurity career. First thing comes to mind is continuous education, really being able to have opportunities to go to, for example, a conference that opens one up for success in the field, because then you're starting to not only being able to be part of various seminars and all these different workshops, you're continuously evolving and being able to see, okay, this is out here. These are some other areas that I could probably use my current skill set or build from here. And then also that helps to also lead to me in ways that you can start continuing on with different certifications and understanding what type of certifications 
you may need even your current field that you may not know. So I think continuous education and it may be the route of a certification or it may be, I know Josh had mentioned too, various things come up. You may have to Google, do your own research on the spot, but you're constantly learning, constantly being able to evolve with time because it's evolving. Tell me this, you had stated this in the past already when I brought you out on a client site one time, right? And in front of the client and so forth. That experience, does that help grow? Because to me, I thought that was valuable experience to bring people out on the road in front of customers talking about real events because it forces you to communicate. It forces you to have to create presentations. What was your thought? Did that help in growing one's career? Is that something that people should do more of? Or what are your thoughts? Oh, yes, definitely. The FaceTime is very important. You get the opportunity to not only connect with the client, but getting that better understanding of their environment, maybe being able to also see, okay, I'm like using my computer on the network. Maybe I see this is wrong. This isn't going on. You're just being able to be there, present, start to observe intake of additional ways that you can not only enhance their mission, but really hearing to what their issues are, what, how can we continue to involve to strengthen their security setting, and then seeing what next step that we can continue to go. Sometimes that's very challenging just doing everything remotely because then you don't have that sense to physically, okay, this is the environment they are working in day to day, or this are the things that they are products and services they're providing various customers. How can we continue to again, bring everything full circle and take them to a ne- continue to build and take them to the next level at the cybersecurity workforce. How to be that trusted advisor. So yeah, Anna? <laughs> yeah. So you know what, what's interesting, Josh, is that she mentioned keyword. And I think this whole almost an hour that we've been talking about, I think that keyword stays at the center of my personal view of success in the cybersecurity. And that is dedication to the mission yeah it's dedication to the mission and it's being able to complete the mission whether it's the mission the mission changes throughout your career path when i was running the managed services my successful mission was finally figuring out why the vpn tunnel was not connecting and the ipsec tunnel was having problems and phase one and phase two was not connecting and i can resolve the issue for the client and then boom like we're back in service That was my mission then. But the more you go through, your mission changes. But ultimately, cybersecurity is a journey of a mission. And every time for me, the success is seeing that mission accomplished right now for a lot of clients, like you said, whether it's the mission of building the fusion centers, whether it's the mission of protecting the most critical infrastructure, whether it's the mission of figuring out how to leverage the intelligence and really support our clients' mission. All that ultimately, to me, is a success of the cybersecurity. I'll hit on it very, so I could not call it out because to me, that's just it. That's at the center of the cyber. What's interesting, why that resonates so much too as well, is that we have a deep seas. We have a lot of former military and intelligence people, and I'm I had that. I was in the Marine Corps too as well. And there is this mission focus that we have when we're doing cyber, and it falls right back to. And you don't have to be in the military to have a missions mindset. It just helps mm-hmm. they drill that into your head and that kind. Of, but there really is a. This is our customers. They called at six o'clock. We're there on the spot. We're not going to bed till ten, eleven o'clock. We're pulling people online, incident responder mm-hmm. guys, intel mm-hmm. guys, because our clients are in trouble. 
and there's this feeling of mission. We're not going to let them down. We're going to be there and so forth. I don't know if many other service buyers think that way. I don't think some guy that's a big ISP service provider thinks, <laughs> hey, I'm going to kill myself because I got <laughs> But where we have an intrusion and we have multiple ransomware activities happening and popping off, and we have the company asking for us to help determine how to shut down and compartmentalize the network and how to stop the bleeding. It is very fast paced. It's quick. And I've served as incident commander in many of these different roles. Having that a common trait, I think where all of us focus on is just really that cool, calm ability to make decisions in a stressful environment is an attribute that's key to in cybersecurity. Because when these situations go down, I've seen some people fall apart that don't have the right personality to handle the stress of this. Rue, you've seen this, right? Where people just can't handle it. And I think so it takes a certain type of person who's mission focused to know, hey, when cyber intrusions are popping off, that's no reason to get crazy and upset because that's our job is to handle is to take out the cyber trash. So don't allow it to affect you, so to speak. And I think one additional thing. Oh, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say one additional thing in adding to the mission would be breaking it down a little bit even further. You could have your immediate mission, your immediate goal per se, but what are the milestones to be able to get there? You could have that fast paced incident where something occurs. Okay. We need to get the client through this, but then what parameters or what do you take as far as the next level to ensure that not only does this not happen again, is this part of the client's mission? Is this part of what they're focusing on now? Mm -hmm. And then how you can continue to expand. So I think a mission can always also evolve in addition to different goals, being able to identify that as far as the breakdown for that, and then also hitting those milestones, and then also reevaluating to where the client is, what do they have in place? Is there anything else that we can continue to do? Also, yeah. I wanted to ask you this question. This. And so from an education perspective, let's say there is a young person or person of color that's out there, a female that's wanting to find out more information on how do I go about doing this? Now, all of us have degrees, but none of us have it in cybersecurity itself. That's such a new field to have an actual degree in cybersecurity. So do we suggest that they go back to college? Do you see that there's other programs that may be on the side of the certifications What do y'all think would be someone that says, hey, you know what? I see this podcast right now. I see these two women that are successful in this field. Where do I start? Do I just Google cybersecurity school? How do, where would one start from there? What was your, what would be your recommendations, Anna? I think from my standpoint, find someone that perhaps is connected and get their suggestions because I've seen more successful paths from people changing careers to be more in the route of the certification, some kind of boot camp, not necessarily going to the college degree, more of a form of a boot camp, then following it with some of the classes. But the key is to get the IT fundamentals. A lot of people think that just to get to cyber, they need to jump straight into cyber. A lot of cyber starts with IT fundamentals. So Find the bootcamp for the IT fundamentals and then start building on top of that some of the cyber classes. I recommend starting broad because cyber field is so huge. It can be education, it can be training, it can be GRC, it can be technical, it can be forensics, it can be investigations, it can be SOC. Once you have the general bootcamp for the broad cybersecurity, then find what really makes you tick and then narrowing down through the classes, whether it's via SANS whether it's via ISACA, other education, and then attend the conferences. I think the conferences is very, a lot of conferences is a very good resource 
for exposing yourself to a variety of things and hearing things to see what you really liked. And then also networking and connecting with more people to continue building that network to help you, even as a beginner, even as a starting or changing the careers. Albrey, what do you think? I completely agree with you, Anna. And to add on to that, I would also say uh, in terms of the networking, starting to see what various organizations are out there in the field that you may want to become a part of. That too, they may have a lot of various resources where, Anna, you had mentioned the women's cybersecurity is one of them. Various resources that you can start to have that starting point as well. And then also by attending the conferences that opens up your network as well in being able to see, again, additional organizations out there, additional topics where you can hone into those working sessions and then continuing to start to see where you want to en- enhance your, your skill set. Yeah, I guess is there any books or I think you probably when I was coming up and I wanted to uh, get into the higher executive ranks, I went and looked at people who are already there and looked at their bio and their background and just saw what they did. What degree did they have? What certification they do? I guess that's one way of looking at very prominent women or people of color on LinkedIn, maybe and saying, OK, they're at a position that I would love to be at one day doing. That's kind of my dream job. How did they get there? What was their path? And then coming up with some kind of, all right, I've seen two or three people. They told me what their path is. I'm going to guess the average is this for me. And is that kind of how the focus ought to be is I did a lot of that too. I read a lot of books. I was always trying to read some autobiography. How did somebody think about something? That kind of stuff. And I thought it helped. It helped tremendously. I thought a lot of the books on human nature and how to talk to people and what what's important to other people. So the kind of the, how to make friends and influence people, how to be John Maxwell, all the leadership books and so forth. I think it's a lot of that kind of stuck with me. But what, is, what do you suggest from a path for how do I go from interest into the field to moving forward? What are your kind of your thoughts, Alru? Interest in the field moving so I would not shy away for opportunities if there's like an internship, something that may not be paid, something that you could do for a summer, something that could be even longer than a, month, a few months where getting that experience will definitely help. But then that'll be able to open up additional doors. I feel to that piece of knowing that an internship or what an internship is, starting that early and having those conversations earlier on with the younger generation helps to know, okay, you don't just go to school, you don't just do this, and then you go right into work, understanding what the various paths are to be able to get there. Yeah. And I think what kind of Anna was talking about too, is the passion to learn has to be there. The passion of self-development of driving yourself and where you want to be. And I tell the kids every day when we wake up is, or did you make a make make sure you make a better version of yourself today than yesterday? So what did you learn? What did you do? What did you get accounted for? And it was just so that they had accountability. Hey, I need to get something done that's productive in my life. I think does that help too as well as having that kind of attitude and that structure? Some people are terrible at structure and contributing to their own professional development. How do you focus? How do you get someone to focus on driving that when they're maybe they're a little unorganized about it? You know, I actually think that they should embrace that. They should embrace their ability to not be organized and still follow their passion. Because yes, there are some of us that put everything into the systems and patterns and we have a like a plan written up and then we follow the plan. And then there are some people that just almost fill it out. And I think two paths can lead to the same end result 
but the people need to take risks on themselves. And what they, the only thing that I think they need to do is stick to it. I don't care if they do it like a very straight line that they map it out and they have a step one, step two, step three, or if they go in a little bit like an organized way, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden they jump from step one to step four and then they realize, wait, maybe that was a little bit too soon. They jump to step two. But in the end, as long as they stick to their passion and as long as they commit to something and they see it through, then the end result is going to be the same because... A lot of times, young people or even the seasoned cybersecurity or any professionals, fear of taking risks and fear of taking chances. And then I think as long as you stick to whichever one you decide on and take chance on yourself, in the end, you'll win. Because in the end, you'll learn something that you didn't know yesterday. And in the end, you will just make a better version of yourself, like you said, <laughs> the next day you wake up. And so just stick to it and continue through. Yeah. And I definitely agree that the mountain to cybersecurity has many different paths to it. And there's different ways. And one of the biggest challenges I have is trying to show how diverse that field is. So, for instance, I think GRC, governance, risk and compliance, is where a lot of people can do. And you don't need really advanced cybersecurity background or anything. You do need to think in a security mindset from mm -hmm. a governance audit perspective. But there's so many people that can transfer to that field. But how do you just do that? How do you do all of a sudden just become a GRC person? Is that taking a class? I think there's some mentorship things that I, w one thing I thought was interesting when I was in the military, you take the ASVAB before you, you ship off. And the ASVAB was a test that tried to pull out your skills. It would ask you questions about mechanics. So they would have a lever and a pulley and it would say, which way is the force pulling on this object? And it's fishing. It was a three and a half hour test, about three and a half hours. So its mission is to figure out what you're good at are you electrical minded or you're mechanical minded or are you paperwork minded? It was to pull that out. It'd give you a series of codes. So all this kind of stuff to figure out what you're good at. And then would spit out four or five different fields that say, hey, I think you would be good at com computers or communications or infantry or artillery, whatever it is, because they already mapped what skills were important for that role, like an intelligence officer's ability to understand multi multiple languages. Scores really high on the Intel side of that. How do you do that in cybersecurity? Wouldn't it be interesting to have if you have an ASVAB type test that could ask a series of questions and abilities, and it's not really hardcore technical, but can categorize and say, you know what, out of these 50, 60 questions you just took, I feel you would be matched up for your GRC role or identity access management role. And by the way, this is where we see what this is a day to day job doing that. What are your thoughts on some kind of tests like that? Oh, that's exactly, yeah. I love that. I love that. That's exactly what I was talking about, the diverse candidates to the diverse population of the jobs. How do you translate it? If we had the test like that, Josh, I think we would be golden. I think you hit on something we should definitely consider developing for the industry as to creating that test, because I personally do not know of any similar tests right now that can match up the candidates in the cybersecurity world to the cybersecurity professionals, except for us being the human tests right? As yeah. the managers, as the hiring managers. But yes, absolutely. I think yeah. that's a perfect idea. Right, Elru? Yeah, no, I completely agree. That would be something that would be so beneficial. And then also being able to really help the person. Maybe they didn't 
wouldn't even consider it or because they may not mm -hmm. have known they're like okay this is something I should actually consider or be able to do but until you have those questions asked how else can yeah. one be able to know I want to thank both you ladies we're at the end of our time thank you Anna and Alru for talking to us today and one of the very different topics of diversity and inclusion how do we get more people that are focused more females focused on this industry how people of color focused on this industry we need so many people and we need good people and it really is a skill sets and we're hoping to bridge that gap more and more. Thank you very much for joining us and I appreciate everything y'all are doing. Hope to talk to y'all again soon and y'all have a good evening. And to our guests, I want to thank everybody. Don't forget to subscribe, hit that like button, go ahead and post it out on all your social media posts. We really appreciate that. We're going to get back into the threat intelligence report as Aaron comes back off of PTO. And we'll start having those briefings in the morning again. But I want to thank both you ladies and everybody have a good night and stay secure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cybersecurity America on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you've learned some valuable information to help you be a better executive leader and navigate today's complex world of cybersecurity. Until next week, stay secure.